Thank you, my friend. Prayer is definitely what I need. Um, in fact, I, I would like to ask if we could pray one more time. One of, one of the people I love to see and greet when they come to this church in the morning is, is my friend Beth Tolly. And she's not feeling too well this morning. And so to not see her, you know when there's those faces that you, you get used to seeing and then suddenly they're, they're not there. Um, that's one of them. And so if you would, just join me so we could pray for her. Father, I just want to lift my friend Beth to you now. Lord, we know that her commitment is to you. Um, I know that she finds it a great joy to be committed to this church. And Father, her absence today, um, I'm sure that it is a, a struggle for her uh, on the side of not feeling well also. Uh, so Lord, touch her body. Uh, bring about a little bit of restoration in her life this morning, Lord. And may she know that her church family is praying for her, uh, Lord. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I counted an honor to be here this morning um, when Pastor Rob asked me to, to preach um, in preparation for the revival services that were going to be taking place here called Encounter. Um, I was reminded of a couple years back, I believe it was, at a district assembly where Rob Songer spoke. And um, yeah, I already respected the man, but I respected him a whole nother level when he was able to um, speak chapters of the scriptures by memorization. And I was just blown by that. It was amazing. But I do remember the sermon that he spoke, and it was um, forgetting our first love. Remember that, Goose. It was a very touching and very moving uh, word that he spoke. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, when Pastor Rob had, had asked me about this, and I knew that this idea of encounter was coming, I could, I could do nothing more and nothing less than to recall the time when I first encountered Christ. And so my hope is today, um, as wound up as I am sometimes getting, right, uh, I'm just looking to unpack this with y'all. So forgive me if I'm a little bit slower. Forgive me if I'm a little bit quieter. But um, what I've experienced from the Lord, uh, I just want to share it with you. So this morning, out of the 8th chapter of the book of John, I'm going to read a story to you. Many of you know it, but I'm going to read it to you. And this comes out of my ESV Bible, the 8th chapter of John, verses 1 through 11. It says this, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they had said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. But Jesus had bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said this, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. 
And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your promises. I'm thankful for your presence. I'm thankful for your spirit that reveals truth in our lives and allows us to experience, Lord, that which is your love that you have for us. Speak to us now. Speak to your people, Lord. And enable us to hear what it is that you have for us this morning, Lord. And I ask it in your name. Amen. I tried to envision what happened in this story with this woman that was caught in adultery. Now the word says that they were all gathered, probably very much like we are gathered here today. And in the midst of his teaching, if you will, I almost envisioned coming through that door a group of folks dragging a woman, maybe against her will, perhaps, I'm not sure, and setting her right here before you. That woman could represent each and every one of us, but she's right here before us. And every single thing that she'd ever done in her life, the worst of the worst of the worst in her life, is being shared and basically blasted before the church, before the people. Imagine how she felt in that moment. Exposed, condemned, hurting, embarrassed, dying inside, perhaps wanting to just crawl into a hole. And what the word says is that as she was brought there, not only was she in the presence of the people, but she was in the presence of the Lord. And so, yes, the law said that she deserved to be stoned. And so I would go so far as to say that I, I might as well get down here with her and take the stoning as well. Jesus says, he who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And one by one, they began to walk away. And what was left was a scared a hurting and embarrassed woman before her Lord. With all that she'd ever done that maybe some did know and some didn't know, but everything that she was and everything that she wasn't stood there before our Lord exposed. And how did Jesus respond? At first, he identifies the fact that where are your accusers? So imagine what that was like for her if she perhaps had her head down before the Lord and then as she looks up, everybody that she was probably embarrassed to be around is now gone. Did the fear go away or did she turn and look up and find her Lord standing before her and then the real fear stepped in? I can only imagine. It's like, okay, they're not going to do that. Oh, my goodness. What is he going to do to me? And so in fear of what was to come, Jesus says, has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord. And the God of all the universe tells her, neither do I. And in fact, he 
takes her from where she was and she sends her. She said, he says, now go and from now on, send no more. In that moment, God executed his mercy. He executed grace. And he executed love. Perfectly. And he did it without compromising the holiness that we know God to be. So I'm going to be coming back to that statement, now go and sin no more. But the reason why I wanted to pick this story and this idea of encounters with Christ is because I too was that woman that stood before the Father in my life. You see, I can recall the time, as many of you may know my story, some of you may not, but it's my story, it's my greatest witness, it's my greatest testimony to what God has done in my life. And so everything I do is based upon my encounter with Christ. It stirs me, it moves me, and it compels me. And it's made me the man that stands before you today. So at 18 years old, I stood before my father-in-law, exposed, convicted, scared, wondering what was going to happen. And not only was I before him, but I was before my family-in-law. And when word got around, I was before my church. And I was before the other kids at school. And I was before my community as word began to spread that this 18-year-old punk kid, what he had done to this beautiful young lady who grew up in this community in the church. I was waiting for him to stone me. But they pulled back. And there I was, left before my father, awaiting the sentence, if you will. Some of you are fathers in here of young ladies. Put yourself in his shoes, right? What do you want to do? The fact that I'm standing before you today testifying about my father-in-law who didn't stone me. In fact, he called me up and he called me out and he sent me. And what's funny is, is the word says that Jesus told her, now go and sin no more. And the irony of the whole thing is that even though my wife then girlfriend was pregnant, he said, she's still not going to go live with you, Chris. Right? So I'd still sinned, and he'd still forgiven me, but just like Jesus said, go and sin no more, he said, I'll be darned if you sin anymore until you marry the young lady. Make sense? How did that man learn to love like that? How is it that the love that he showed me put aside the fear, put aside the anger, and he was able to take what everybody probably wanted to stone or at least at minimum give up on and not? 
I was reminded of a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And in the second chapter, Paul says this. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And I was reminded of what that must have been like for Dan. He's a Christian man, right? He, much like all of us, as we're working through this salvation, that was probably a moment where he was working through fear and trembling because you think I'm embarrassed. As a father, I only imagine that he was maybe a little embarrassed, a little bit ashamed, a little bit nervous. But then there was that spirit within him that began to speak. And so as he worked through that salvation that was his with fear and trembling, he was reminded, perhaps, perhaps not, but what we're here to be reminded today is that it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What Dan didn't realize is that God had an opportunity to move through Dan in his actions. So how is it that we know what love is? How did Dan know what love is? In the fourth chapter of 1 John, it says this. We love because he first loved us. We learn to love because God first loved us. See, in this redemption story, God took the first action. And as we all know what John 3.16 says, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That whosoever should believeth in him should have eternal life. So in all of this, in, in bringing his creation back unto himself, the first act, the first thing he does is a step of love. And we think, well, wait a sec, Chris. How is it that he loved us? In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. See, the perfect love that God has does not compromise the holiness to which God is. In the love that he gave, this sacrificial love, it was giving of his son. And that sounds great, but what did his son ultimately do? The God of the universe exercised justice, justice upon his son to pay the price that needed to be paid that we might be reconciled unto him. And so this model of what Dan came to realize by the power of the Spirit within him, convicted that that's what God had done for him, he now stood with the opportunity to then go forth and do that to me. In the 28th chapter of Matthew, it says that um, this is Christ's call upon our lives, right? 
He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, what did God call us? What did he command us to do? See, earlier, Jesus was approached and they said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Because that's what we want to do, right? We want to follow the law. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. See, when Christ came, he came in perfect love. And he says that he didn't contend, come to condemn the world, but he came to save it. And he went furthermore that he came not to nullify the law, but to uphold it. Well, what was the law that he was upholding? And what I'm reading here is he's telling us is that as we love God and we love others, and all the other laws depend upon that, that's what he was fulfilling. And that's what Dan knew. That's what the Spirit was telling him. See, Christ said that when he left, he was going to leave his Spirit, the Helper. In fact, in the 14th chapter of John, Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, a lot of this, we can, we can interlace these things and we can get very confused because we, we get stuck between this idea of love and we get this stuck between this idea of obeying commands. And, and we almost can't shake the law. But yet the law can be summed up in those two commands. To love God and to love others. And this was the interesting part. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me and also the works that I do, greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So it's quite interesting that what God calls us to do, he commands us to do, is to obey, right? Right? And the greatest of those commandments is to love God and to love others. And then he says that this that we know love is because God has first loved us. And Christ is telling us that he's gone away and sent his spirit to work in and through us. As Paul said to the Philippian church that we would wrestle with our faith as we truly come to the grasp with the terms that God is working in us and through us for his goodwill, for his good pleasure, for the joy that was set before him, he went to the cross. For us, we were the joy. We've taken on the commission of our Lord to do what he's called us to do, and that is to love God and to love others. And as others experience God's love through us, they in turn experience God's love, and then they know how to love. I want to read a letter to you. 
I want you to understand something, church. This isn't a pat on my back. This is just something that I'll be, I'll come back around to it, but I just want you to hear it. And I don't want you to just hear the praises, but I want you to hear the testimony. I was ready. First service thought I was a bumbling fool. It says, Dear Tiffany and Chris, happy 23 years of marriage to you guys. I hope you guys have an amazing day today and every day. Congratulations. I'm not really sure what to say in an anniversary, but because it's hard for me to express into words what I wish you guys all the best in life and keep staying strong. Pretty sweet, right? Now I want to thank you guys for everything. The things you guys have done for me may not seem as much, may not seem as much, but it is a lot for me. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm very grateful to have you guys in my life. This year, 2019, has been a very tough year for me because of everything that's been happening. But being with you guys just makes... Makes it a whole lot better. I'm really glad I got to hang out with you guys and be with you guys more this year. You guys are such amazing people, and I can't thank God enough for bringing you guys into my life. You hear that testimony? They'll know us by our love. As God's love is modeled, so others will know God's love. Thank you for letting me into your life and treating me and making me feel like family. Thank you for bringing me to church and inviting me for dinners and lunches and hanging out in most places with you guys. Thank you for all the fun and great memories with more to come that I will treasure forever and everything I learn every time I'm with you guys. That's probably my fault. Thank you for making me feel welcome and at home in your home and for being there all the time for me when times are tough. Thank you for my friend. I would have never met my best friend if it wasn't because of you guys. I could go on for days and weeks and months thanking you guys for everything, but I'll just keep it simple and just say thank you. Very lucky to have someone like you guys that bring light joy into my life. I appreciate you guys so much. Please take care all the time and continue spreading kindness to others. Continue being super awesome and stay strong all the time. You guys mean a lot to me. Thank you for everything again. Happy 23rd anniversary. Love you guys so much. Does she know love? had to learn it from somebody. I had to learn it from somebody. So just as Christ called his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples of all 
nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey my commandments, those commandments that says to love God and to love others. So as we do that, we are obeying his command that says that if we truly love him, then we will obey his commands. What he's commanded us to do is to go and to love God and to love others. And in the fulfillment of that, the disciples are doing what they've been called to do. And that is to go and make disciples. How did she know to thank God? That's where Tiff and I have to let it go and give glory to him. That's where the church has to let it go and give glory to him. Because it is he who is at work within us to will and to work out those things to his good pleasure. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Now, I've got to give you the disclaimer. I forgot to give first service until the end, but this isn't the same person. But this is somebody that's just a little bit further down the road. Hi, guys. Well, the, I should say, hi, guys. <laughs> Got to learn how to read the text, right? This is a group text to my wife and I. It says, these, <clears throat> these last few weeks have been pretty crazy with school, and I've just been trusting in his plan. And of course, he has faithfully provided as he always does. I've just been really thinking and reflecting on a lot lately, and I just wanted to thank you guys for never giving up on me. (laughs) For loving me and supporting me. I lost my spot. loving and supporting me as your own, and most importantly, for allowing me a safe place where I was able to find my path and develop a relationship with Christ so many years ago. You guys have impacted my life more than you'll ever know, and I can never express my gratitude to you guys for the love of Christ you pour into everyone around you. Love you guys so much. Hope you have a wonderful day. Just a random text. You think that woman that sat exposed with all that she had ever done before everyone that wanted to just destroy her, was that a safe place for her to learn love? See, what Jesus did first was he evened the playing field. He put us all where we belong so that we had the capability to truly love her. And we can't do that when we're measuring one another's sin as one is more heinous than another, perhaps. But then when we all are on the same playing field, we acknowledge the same need that we all have because we all truly do belong right here. Because if the Bible is true and the wages of sin are death, then each and every one of us must stand before someone to be stoned. And so the first thing that Jesus did 
was he created a safe space for her to experience Christ's love. Isn't that what she said? I didn't teach her that. Well, maybe I did. Inadvertently, as I received God's love, I was then able to then give her God's love, and she was able to then testify it, and then she was enabled by the Spirit to then who knows what. But God provided that safe space for this woman and all of her misery and all of her sin and all of her shame and all of her hurt and all of her tears. He provided a safe place for him to experience his love and forgiveness. Last one. I've been blessed lately. Sometimes we don't experience the fruit of our labors at first, but God is faithful. Sometimes he sees us in our need and realizes that our true desire is to see the salvation of others, and when we don't experience it, we begin to question whether the power of the Spirit is within us, and it sometimes disables the church from fulfilling the call that is on the church, and that is to go and make disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey his commands. But then he throws you one. Or maybe in a very short period of time, he throws you three. I've given myself to him mentally, physically, and emotionally over this small portion of my journey. I want to wash away what was the old me and all the stereotypes that go with my name. I want to wash away the the past sins and the past first thought that people might associate with me. To be seen as I am now, not as I was, To my friends and family, I want them to see the whole me, the man that walks in the light of the Lord and towards it, to not shy away from it, but to be closer to the Lord, to show my love for him and his kingdom, to show that I believe that his sacrifice was enough, that his blood had paid for my sins and paid all my debt, that by him and through him I am worthy. If I'd have known at 42 years old that I would be able to, in some way possible, articulate what it was that I experienced when I was a punk 18-year-old standing before the folks ready to be stoned, See, not only did Dan change my life, but he changed his daughter's life. So I want to go back. To that note that Jesus said. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me and will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the father. As we know that when he went to the Father, he sent his spirit to dwell within us, to will for his good pleasure. 
What are these greater works, church? See, in this moment, what did Jesus do? He changed the life of a woman forever. When Dan had the opportunity to throw stones, he didn't. And he changed the life of a young man and a young lady forever. Modeling a love that would carry us now 23 years in marriage. Teaching us how to love one another and love others. So that we could be disciples. That we could go and make disciples. See, the greater miracle isn't this one-in-one exchange for followers of Christ. It's the multiplication of disciples that takes place when the church goes and exposes the world to the love that they've been exposed to in their time of need. When we encounter Christ, as Rob's going to speak to in a couple of weeks, we've encountered the risen Lord, and we've experienced His love, and we've experienced His holiness... See, God didn't let the woman in adultery change in, in, in a way where she just continued to sin, but he called her out, and he called her up, and he called her to go. And so when we follow Christ, when we've experienced the love through others in the church, this is the tool that God has chosen to use to redeem the world and reconcile it unto himself. And therefore, when we obey his commands, because those that truly love him will obey his commands, we will love God, and we will love others. And we will lay ourselves down for the one in need. I don't know what that looks like all the time. But that's how we know love. That's why Jesus left, so that he could fill us with the Spirit, that we might be united in his good purpose, to do his good will, to fulfill his calling. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside the weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before Kevin, he will love his son. He's not going to let him off the hook, but he will love him. And he will share the father's love that at one point was given to Kevin. And in turn, well, both, all three, Boys will learn what it is like to experience God's love. 
you want obedient children, we have to teach them to be obedient. We want them to obey our commands. We must first, therefore, obey God's command. We can condemn all day long, but in reality, Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but I came to save it. Believe me, I'm pleading with the Lord for one of my kids right now. It'd be very easy for me to throw a rock. But throwing a rock doesn't show him what God has done for him. I must therefore lay down my life that he may know what he's been saved from and what he's been saved for. Church, I'm going to pray for you. And you'll be probably happy just like first service was because we're getting out early. But that's what I came to share because here in a couple weeks, we're all going to be challenged to recall the time that we encountered Christ for the first time, the time that we first encountered Christ's love for the first time. I want you to remember that. Remember your first love because it is by his love that then we will be enabled by the Holy Spirit to not just go act independently, but we will be the united church under one God, under one spirit, with one Lord, to go and fulfill his purpose and to obey his commands, which is to love God and to go out and love a dying world that sits before the, the society that seeks to stone them, and they're looking to experience the grace and the mercy that we've experienced in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for this church family, Lord, because there are men in this room that have poured into my life, Lord. Thank you that they didn't give up on me at 18 years old, Lord. Thank you that they didn't give up on me at 20 years old. As I continued to act a fool, but Lord, what happened is a seed of your love was planted within me that was soon to give, to, to give way to, to something more greater than just that initial love that was shown. Father, I believe what your plan is in the church is that as we seek to lay down our lives in love for one another, seeking to do your will because your word says that if we love you, we will obey your commands, Lord, that we will be enabled by your spirit to go and love the unlovable, to show compassion to those that we don't necessarily know how to show compassion, to empathize with those that need empathy, Lord, to care to the hurting, Lord, to walk with the sick. And to bring to the world, Lord, the redemptive story that you have been working all along. And as we, the Tehachapi Church of the Nazarene, as we wrestle with and, and, we, and we move through our faith with, with fear and trembling, trying to seek what it is and how it is that we're supposed to do and, and love our enemies even, Lord. As you teach us to do that, Lord, may we remember that it is your spirit, it is your presence within us that is seeking to work to his good pleasure, to your good pleasure, Lord, that you are seeking to reconcile the world through us. And that as that world experiences the love, Lord, they'll put down all the things that they seek to justify themselves with, Lord, to fight one another with, and they too, Lord, like Dan, like me, like the others that we get the opportunity to pour life into, we will surrender to you. 
and we will become disciples of you. So enable your people now, Lord. Show them favor. Give them power. Give them strength. And Lord, make them aware that it is within them to do so. You are faithful. You are good. And your word never returns void. So be with your people now as they go, Lord. I pray for them. I pray for me. I pray for those that are in the Bible studies next door, Lord. May TNAS be a, a church of disciples, Lord, that are seeking to love and live that out amidst this community, Lord. So we ask your will now in your name. Amen. Have a blessed day.